Hey everybody, welcome to the In the Dome podcast. It's In the Dome, not In the Dome. It's In the Dome. What do I say? In, you say In the Dome podcast. Podcast. In the Dome. In the Dome. All right, so the Calgary Flames have won three straight games. What the hell's going on? Three straight? Yeah. Who do we beat? Who? We beat the Rangers. Oh yeah, the Rangers. We beat the Wild barely, and we beat the Blackhawks. All right, so we've done a podcast since the Rangers game, though. Right? Yeah, we're going to break down the Minnesota Wild games and the... Uh, Chicago Blackhawks games. Okay. God, if I can talk today, Chicago Blackhawks game today. The Minnesota game was one of those weird ones, eh? The Minnesota game was like another game in Minnesota. Why? Why is every time we go to Minnesota, there's got to be a goddamn afternoon? No less. Not even in the afternoon, like that pregame ceremony. We're honoring Devin Dubnik. Dubnik. What? You're honoring Devin Dubnik? Here's 20 minutes. Here's 20 minutes on Devin Dubnik. I think I texted you. I'm like, this is classic. Boring Minnesota oh with a twenty-minute delay. What did he even? What did he even get? What was his award? I think it's like five hundred games played. Who gets an award for five hundred games? He does. That's stupid. Anyways, that was a weird game because it was kind of like, like what? What the hell was going on in that game? We won five to four in a shootout. Apparently, we rule in the shootout now. Can we? we won, won, this was just like Dallas, where we trailed the yeah. entire, the entirety of the game. We're undefeated in the shootout this year. Can you believe that? We lo- we were what? Were we lose nine or seven. We've or lost nine? like it seeming. It seems we've lost every shootout well, since from be- the beginning of goddamn time. They said it a few times. It was either seven or nine that we had lost consecutively coming into this year. And so I think a lot of Flames fans hates the shootout. I love the shootout personally. Yeah, maybe that's why I hate it so much because we suck at it. I've always loved. But you know the what? Shootout. When I'm watching, when I'm ice surfing. And I can, it's coming down to the wire in a game. I'll go and watch the overtime. Yeah. But as soon as it goes to shootout, what? I. What? No I usually, way. That's the best. I don't know. It just kind Dude, of bo- shootout rules. It kind of bores me a bit. I'm always into the shootout. It's a rewards team that has has skill, and that's always a good thing. So, anyways, like, it was such a weird game. So. Okay. And again, obviously, David Riddick looked a little shaky. David Riddick looked like he was a goddamn mess for me. And I know everyone's like, oh, and I think we argued a bit on this. You were like, oh, he was good in the shootout. Was he? He was flopping around like a goddamn Mike Smith imitator out there. I think he was still good. He was out of his mind. He was so, he he got the job done. I'll give him credit for that. But he looked shaky as shit in that shootout. He looked like he was about to have a nervous breakdown. Because this was a case where he, he did make, uh, he let in some weak goals. Yeah. But if you go back and watch, like he did also make some key saves. Yeah, so I it's guess not like, so. It's kind of like the same old with him. It's like he lets the ones he shouldn't let in in, and he stops the one that should go in. Is that same old, though? That's that's pretty new. Is that new? He was like that in the Montreal game, I'm thinking of specifically. Yeah, it's only within like the past... Since we've noticeably seen him look fatigued, has he started to, to start to play like this? Yeah, that's true. I want to start Talbot the next two, I, for sure, maybe even next three games. You definitely give him three of four. Or you probably what do you got three games left before the break? Well, you've got the oil or you got the Wild tomorrow, and you got the Oilers, and then I think you've got one other team in there. Toronto, Toronto, yeah, or no, Montreal, isn't it? Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. So you got Minnesota tomorrow night, Edmonton Saturday night, Montreal on Monday. You got two days off before you play Toronto on Thursday. Yeah. Last game before the break, Saturday against Ottawa. So I so yeah five games. I would I would at be least, see Talbot in three or five of those. Yeah. I think you got to at least give Talbot three. And honestly, we've said this, it's not necessarily 
a slight on David Riddick where you're playing Talbot over him because Talbot's playing better. The guy needs a fucking rest. Yeah, I know. And, like, people have been saying this for a while. It's like, hey, you got to get Talbot in soon because Riddick's going to, like, he can't keep this up. He can't play a guy. Goddamn 75 games in the season. Expect him to be okay. So, like, that's why most people are saying it. And it's, like, it's a combination of he's getting tired and Talbot's playing really good. Like, in his last five games, Talbot's save percentage is, like, in the 930 range. He's been great. No, he's, so he's been... It's perfect timing. Yeah, he's been solid. And, like, last night he was good. Last night reminds me a bit of the Anaheim game when we were in Anaheim. And he was, like, shut the door down. Last night was... If if the Anaheim game was his best game of the year, that last night was his second best game of the year. He was great last night. Yep. And you had, what, Patty Kane three times, Radal alone. Well, I, I thought the Flames... I don't know if they dominated it, but they definitely were the better team in the first and the second, or in the first and the third. In the second, they struggled a bit, I thought, and you could see that. Like, Patrick Kane had, like, three consecutive pretty high-danger chances, yeah. all on pretty bad turnovers from our defense. But he stopped He stopped on a breakaway, stopped him on a couple odd-man rushes, a chance right in front, and then Lindholm scored to go ahead. So he was great last night. Good. Now, this is interesting because you're pulling up some stats, um, going back to the Minnesota game, but I want to preface that because when I was watching – the Minnesota game, as well as even the Chicago game, there's a part of me that's still really frustrated. It's like, why are we struggling to impose our will on middle-of-the-pack teams? Yeah, like, well, that's what I texted you. I was like, are we a playoff team? Because we're having a hell of a lot of troubles beating the Minnesota Wild tonight Yeah, for the second time in two weeks. But it's interesting because now that you pull up all the stats, we dominated them. Oh, yeah, just for reference, I'm looking on moneypuck.com. So our expected goals, all situation, Flames expected goals 4.08 compared to Minnesota's 2.78. So offensively and scoring chance-wise, we did dominate them. But I agree with you. When you're watching that game, it was a frustrating game to watch. Well, and part of it is you're trailing the whole game. And part of it is, too, like <clears throat> how many chances did Johnny Gaudreau have right in front that he completely fumbled? Yeah. So, like, expected goals doesn't take well, into the account the fact that the shooter completely fucks up, right? And this comes back to, I think we did a podcast earlier on in the season where it was, we were analyzing just the nature of being a fan. And I feel like we're in the same spot right now. And it always really comes back to where are you in the standings? Because before these two games, we had dropped out of the playoff picture again. I mean, yeah. we're still hanging on. Below the Oilers and the Canucks. And I think they both had games in hand. Yeah. And now we win two in a row and we're back in a wild card spot. But when you're outside of that pitcher and you got the other teams have games in hand and you're not playing really, like particularly great, and you come in and you play Minnesota, like you gotta as a fan, you're like, I need to see some domination. Yeah, totally. Like cause well, even <clears throat> like broader picture, like how many times have you seen this team come in and dominate? I thought last night was the closest to it, yeah. a full 60-minute domination. And, and they weren't more, even that good last and night. And more so, they probably played a very tight defensive game that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. It's not even necessarily that they dominated offensively. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, man. Like, the Minnesota game, like, even though all the underlying metrics say they dominated, and the one line that did dominate was the Dubé-Lucic-Derek uh, Ryan line. They were fucking great. Especially Lucic. Lucic led us offensively that night. His expected goal rate was the highest. He's one of the best possession players. So. And, it, and honestly, it's interesting because it doesn't. It seems like it's not uncommon. He's always there for him to lead that. He's always there. That category. He's like he's literally he's been in our. I, I post if you don't follow us on Instagram, go follow us on Instagram because I post like post game stuff all the time. He's consistently in 
I use this stat called game score, which is developed to like encompass pretty much how a players perform during a game. He's like always in the top five or six by game score in the last five or six games. So why is that? Why? And I always say, I'm like, Lucic is on here far too often. And there's no slight on him, like good for him for playing well. But it's just like when he's consistently outperforming guys like Gaudreau, Backlund, Monaghan, it's kind of alarming. So, but he's, give him credit. He's been good. And that so line's it, been good. It's just his, when he has the puck, he makes smart decisions. He's driving. Yeah, he's driving play. He's getting scoring chances. He's playing well defensively. So he did score that game. Things. He scored the first goal. He got a lucky one off his got foot. Got a nice fluky goal. Got a nice fluky power play. Was that on the power play? Yep. Yeah, it was. Um, fluky power play goal. Fluky power play goal. Hamannick actually had a nice dinger off the crossbar. In. He did. Jesus Christ. We're being led offensively by Hamannick, Lucic, and Stone. And scored. Michael Stone scored. And just for reference, because everyone was like, oh, Stone scored. I couldn't believe this. He scored a goal and still had the worst expected goals per- percentage on the team. So that just shows you how bad he played. That that sh- that goal he had was a complete fluke, and then he was terrible in his own zone. So, well, you better explain how expected goals work. Well, it just but before takes- you do, I mean, sh- like yeah, you say that, but honestly, you got to get the puck to the net. And yeah, I, yeah. And, but- I mean, we'll, we were mostly concerned that oh shit, now that he scored, he's going to draw back in the lineup more often than Shillington. But then they went right back to Shillington last night, and he played yeah, his best was game. Good. He was, was that it? Oh, it must have been his best game. The only thing, like Stone, like just if you look at his, ex- the thing I look for after the games is expected goals percentage. So it's similar to Corsi percentage, where it just shows like the differential between shot attempts for and shot attempts against. This is a differential between expected goals for and expected goals against. So Michael Stone's expected goals for 0.36, expected goals against 0.6. So when he's on the ice, the other team's getting. High quality scoring chances when the flames are, when he's on the ice for the flames they're not getting as high quality scoring chances so that's all that that means so yeah. especially when he's scoring a goal you think that'd be bumped up a little higher and it wasn't so it just shows you how bad he was defensively so anyways I'll leave the Michael Stone stuff for another and the good news was they did play Shillington yeah last and the good night. news was they went they made the right decision they played Shillington last night was that his best game he was good last night defensively he's such a good skater yeah he's there was a- what three or four times. When he just like outskated. I think that's the I think that's the number one attribute of his game is he can skate and he can skate out of danger. He can skate with the puck. He when he makes a mistake and get and back he in again? position, he's twenty one. Like you think he's only gonna get better. And I mean, he has been stepping more into the play. I think even last night he got he had a pretty good chance to score a goal or at least generate some offense. He will get better at that. Yeah, he will. And I think as his confidence grows. Which last night to me is a confidence building game if you're Oliver Schilling. Oh, in. totally. And I like, again, was I don't even mind them putting Stone in so much if it's just like a game here and there to maybe like gee, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not a player. I didn't never played, but like He's maybe, not a player, he just crushes a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um like give him a different perspective, watch the game from the stands, shit like that. I don't mind that. But it's like it just that's why I'm okay with Stone playing the other night. It's just when he starts playing over and over and over again and it's like he sucks. Yeah. That's when I get frustrated. So, I mean, what more do you say about the wild game, really, other than Lucic? It was literally the Lucic, Ryan, and Dubé line, even in the shootout. Those two guys were the only reason we won. Yeah, they were. that line was excellent. Excellent. In the third period, especially. The third, and then the shootout, Dylan Dubé with a sex. Well, okay, Derek Ryan first. Because it's always funny how, like, you were talking about being a fan. It's like, 
They're they're rolling out the shootout. Yeah. Like, I'm like, can you Lindholm's next, right? Lindholm's next. Yeah. Derek Ryan. I'm like, I said, I was like, before they announced, it, I was like, they're gonna go, they're gonna overthink it and do somebody stupid. And then it's like, oh, Derek Ryan. I'm like, of course, fucking Derek. Ryan. You, you need Ryan. a goal to stay alive, and you I put out like, Derek Ryan. I was like, what a loser. What? Oh, su- oh, sweet goal, Ryan. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I was start. I was getting ready to pack it in right there. Right. It's funny how that works, though. It's eh? so weird. And then Dylan Dubé, what a what a fucking move. To me, the story of the night is that game-winning goal. Oh, 100%. My God, that was sexy. That was so unreal. So unreal. I gif that on Twitter after, that from behind the net view. Oh. Jesus. Stalock doesn't even move. Like, Stalock had no idea what was coming. He came down, and he his stick handling was so smooth. Well, did you see the puck roll, too, as he went to roof it on the backhand? I know. controlled it, yeah. So smooth, Stalock. Like Stalock, he didn't he didn't waver at all. So Stalock yep. had no clue what he was going to do. He held it on his on his backhand, real like for a split second. Stalock's kind of waiting, chip over the shoulder. Just beautiful. And like to me, what impressed me the most about that is the poise in which he did it. Right? Because you can compare that to Andrew Mangiapane, a couple yep. of shooters before. Yeah. No poise. He just kind of like, oh shit. And that's the difference, I think, between. I, where these, what the future for both these players lies. And I think Andrew Mwanji probably is a great player, but I think Dylan Dubé is better. Yeah. And maybe right now Andrew Mwanji Pani is better currently, but Dylan Dubé will be better. I agree. Not saying Andrew Mwanji won't be a great player. I agree. But Dylan Dubé has the capability to be a star. I'm not going to say he's a superstar. He's got a capability to be a star. Yeah. I feel like the Minnesota game was a microcosm of Johnny Gaudreau's season. Okay. He had a couple assists. He had a lot of chances, but like, what was he doing? Didn't he have? A, was that the game he had a breakaway? He had a breakaway. He had a breakaway in the he third. He had period. that wide open. He he got that like it was like a two on one kind of pass. Oh, he fumbled it. Then in the shootout, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was like, that's literally the epitome of Gaudreau's season in a game right there. That was a two on one where he just shot right into the goal. Yeah. Derek Ryan set him up. That was first period, right? No, second period. I think it was in the second because yeah, they were shooting period. on the other end. Yeah, so Derek Ryan sets him up. Wide open net, two on one, all alone. Yep. And it was similar. Remember last year when they did that bing bang bong? Yeah, with uh, Lindholm or whatever? Yeah, and you're like, Johnny, just shoot it. Oh, oh, he just deep the goalie out. Yeah. That worked. It's like the same thing. It's like, Johnny, just shoot it. You had a wide open net. Yeah. No, I think I'm just going to guide it right into the goalie. <laughs> exactly. It was fucking weird. And then the shootout. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Oh, dude. You have one move, Johnny Gaudreau. Everybody knows. You you worked on. Well, he name? had that one shootout move in the against the stars against Bishop that he completely dangled his goddamn jockstrap off. <laughs> Can we see more of that? Right, like where's that? He just look again. Like I don't know what it is with him, but I don't know if it's confidence or if it's just not going well. But like plays like that where it's usually he's money. He's not money, and I don't want to say he played bad in that game because he had two assists. He was he had a lot of chances, but it was just like. That killer instinct when he gets the puck and it's like it's in the back of the net. And you're like, holy shit, that was sweet. Yeah. It's like the reverse of that now. Like we need to see a little more dimension. Yeah, exactly. In front. He needs to be deadly. Like he's he's usually deadly. He's not deadly. Because the Lundqvist goal on, against the Rangers the night before. Yeah. He came down with a shitload of speed and he went east-west really quickly. Which opened Lundqvist up completely. Last night, he came down straight. Yeah, straight at him. Straight at him. Or against Minnesota, yeah. And just went a little 
East. Yeah. So, Staylock didn't have to move much, didn't open up at all. Read the bets. Anyways, I thought he played good, but it was just like I noticed, like, God, he was fighting it a lot. So, I don't know. That's a pretty good win. And we should point. I should point out, that was like two, New York and Minnesota, two really good games for Hannafin and Hamannick. You know what? Yeah. Um, especially Hannafin. I thought he was pretty good. He yep. was, I thought he was pretty good last night, too. And actually, it's interesting, though, because, like, have you noticed this? When they have a pretty good offensive game, they seem to be better defensively. Yeah. Like, what is that? Well, I think, I don't know what it is with those two guys. Because I was looking at some underlying metrics last night, and it seems like Hannafin's defensive game seems to be improving, while Hamannick's seems to be going down the shitter. But Hamannick's offensive impact seems to be improving, Yeah. while Hannafin's is doing the opposite. It's weird. What the hell, eh? I don't know what's with those two. I, they're why, so unpredictable. Why don't you split them up? Exactly. Like, split them up. Like, there's, it's weird, because it's like, either they're really good, or they're terrible. I, it's, it's And even, even though they've had good games, you still can... Pick out three to four times in each game. Yeah, dumb plays. Where they're in their end, they got some time, and they make a bad pass. Trump coming out of the zone, and we get him yeah, in the zone. Right. Okay, so pretty good game in Minnesota. Even though it's kind of all over the place and weird and hard to watch, you get the win. Then you go to Chicago, and like, I don't know. That's the kind. That's what you really need to see out of Matthew Kachuk more consistently this year. I think he was the best player on the ice last night. Wasn't yep. he? He was good. He was great. Lindholm. Lindholm too, but I thought Kachuk really drove a lot of that play. And then we saw some some line juggling last night. Yeah, minute. so I, was it in the second? I didn't pick up on it until the third, but well, somebody said maybe it was in the second. In the first period, Dylan Dubé had a really great period. And the Monty Johnny back on, was it back on they started with? Yeah. They weren't doing much. And I was going to text you, but I had my phone on airplane because I was a little bit behind. So I didn't. But I was going to text you, why don't they fucking put Dubé out there with Monty and Johnny? Then they did, to start, start the second. Mm-hmm. How did you think he did? Because when I looked, I'm like, nice, this is great. And then Dubé almost seems to be kind of starstruck a bit at times when it's just like, dude, like make the simple play. But then he did make a few plays that were excellent. Yeah. He was kind of like hit or miss for me on that line last night. I thought pretty much everybody in that line was pretty meh last night. Um, honestly, I thought that game last night was pretty boring and pretty low event, which is fine. Like, you st- they still played a pretty good game, but I thought everybody was meh, okay. So I don't know if it was just Dubé. I thought Monahan looked pretty invisible. I don't know. I thought Johnny was meh, pretty invisible too. Johnny, um, at least to me, uh, he had some jump, and he did. Yeah, he true. did do a few things that were like, okay, well, at least he's doing some stuff. Yeah. And we'll get to the power play in a minute, but I thought the, uh, the I I think Dubé is the guy there because the thing that I did like was was Backlund and Ryan together on yeah. that third line. That was that was great. I think long term, if and you who can, they had, well, they had Bennett, and then they had Mangiapane with dipshit Jankowski and Ronaldo. So the only thing I didn't like about the blending yeah, last night was Mangiapane on the fourth. Put Mangiapane with Backlund and Derek Ryan. There is a goddamn possession monster line. That could be huge. Yeah. And then, I know Lucci's played really well the last two games. But long term, I don't... Because they moved him up to what line? Lindholm and Kachuk's line. Yeah. It was weird. He even it took was like, a face-off. It was really weird. It was weird. So, I don't know if that's a long-term thing. But if they're going to roll that out next game, I would prefer Penny and Bennett's spot on the third line and move Bennett down and then shoot Mark Jankowski into the goddamn moon. Why is he still getting games? 
Well, did, he, did you see last night? He had one. He had one shot attempt, and it was a high danger shot attempt. So he's uh, he's trending he's slowly up slowly but surely. He's trending up. He's up in that trade value. Well, you can only go up from from absolute dog shit. He was he was like he's got to be the most mediocre hockey player on earth. The thing is, like, even you see some of the the, the boys at Wrigley Field, and you see some of the footage. He's fucking taller and bigger than the rest of the team. He's towering. He's a tower. Softest tower. Anyways, like I I don't know what they're doing with him. Like you got to think some you got to think something's happening soon cuz you can't tell me that Glenn Godden's sitting in the minors being one of the top players in the minors and wouldn't be outperforming Mark Jankowski, right? I almost feel like he's continually getting starts. Like maybe they're because they're still shopping him. Yeah, they got to. It's got to be harder to shop him when he's not playing. But at what point do you just cut your losses? Exactly. That's kind of where I'm at. It's like just send him to the and minors I mean, and make like maybe someone takes him on waivers and you have a, an extra 1.6 mil off the cap. Even if someone took him off waivers, would, would you it, would just be happy with that? Right. Like, would it be that big of a loss? Like, what can you? What could you? Are you going to re-sign Mark Jankowski? What's the most you could get for Jankowski if right now you found a willing suitor? The only thing I can think of that some people have been throwing around is that Evan, Evan Rodriguez from Buffalo, kind of a similar situation. Performed in the past, underachieving. Like maybe there's a swap to be had there. That's all I've heard, and that kind of makes sense to me. I wouldn't mind Rodriguez, but I mean, at this point, you're not returning Mark Jankowski, right? He's his contract's up at the end of the year. How I don't know how you can justify it. There's no way you do or will, and there's no way he wants to stay. So I don't see why losing him to waivers is such a big risk. Um, so I don't know. I I can't see this going much much longer because he's just been so ineffective. And there's other guys who could who deserve his spot more. So, I kind of feel like, and again, I'm like a Jane, I'm not a Jankowski fan, but I do like I do realize he's been a pretty useful player for this team the last two years. But like enough's enough with this. I I get the feeling and sense that Bradtree Living is in the same boat we are. He he's looking for a way to get rid of this guy. Yeah, but I feel like he thinks. He can get more Maybe. or potential value to be had on Jankowski if he's playing, but I don't see how much longer he'll do it for. Like, I can't see it being much like, longer. Can Maybe you? they they say, okay, we'll give him to the All-Star break. Yeah. Like if they don't have a solution by then. Or maybe you say, okay, we'll, we'll come back from the break. If he still stinks, we're moving on. Yeah. Like that's what... I, but then someone... I can't remember. I might have heard on the fan, but... Why wouldn't you just send him down? If he doesn't get picked up, maybe he can revitalize his game a bit in in Stockton. You'd, ho- you'd hope he could do something. Like, you think he's getting sick of playing eight minutes a game? Redu- I mean, he played 9.37 last night. Reduced role. I don't know. Like, he in and out of the lineup. Shit. But do you think he would... If if That's my point, though. If he's the type of guy that doesn't give a shit anyways, he probably would prefer to play in Stockton. Yeah. Play 20 minutes a night. Power play time. So, I don't know. Easier league. Yeah. Not as rough. <laughs> That's true. Anyways. All right. So, let's So, get... okay. Well. Yeah, I don't what know. What would you do? I, I, I'd send him to the minors. I, I would have already done Unless that. you can do something like get get a Rodriguez type guy. I would do that. I would trade him for Evan Rodriguez or somebody similar who's maybe like shown some promise elsewhere and 
yeah, that's probably what I would do. But at this point, I'm like, fine, go to the minors or we'll lose you on waivers. I really don't care. I'd rather have the $1.6 million in cap space than have you on our roster doing nothing. So, yeah. um, so what the fuck is with the power play? Because... Well, first off... Again, the Flames were good last night. First off, how do you lose every single goddamn draw? And I get it. Jonathan Taze is a beast in the face-off dot, but still. Right? There was like... Remember that segment where it was three in a row and they just kept icing the puck down or shooting out of the... And he took th- like three in a row. Well, I'm looking at all of our like, centermen, and I'm pretty sure all of them are negative face-off differential last night. Lindholm, negative six on face-offs. It was uh, Ryan. Backlund, negative two. Derek Ryan, oh, he was a plus four on face-off, surprisingly, so... Um, the biggest thing on the playoff on the but he did play in the right wing a lot last night on the power play is win the goddamn face off. So they had four power plays last night. Two five on threes. Two five on threes. They mustered one shot and two shot attempts. That's insane. That's gotta be some sort of record. Two shot attempts on four power plays, two of which are five on threes. That's literally gotta be a record. Like how do you have two? How do you have two shot attempts? Two and one shot. One shot on goal is bad enough, but two shot attempts. And they even had like trouble with their with their entry. Like, what are they doing? It's like there's three guys. Like, I don't know what to like. I think I don't know. I posted some stuff last night. I think Geo needs to be moved from the top power play unit. Number one, I think you put Hannafin there. I really do. I think Hannafin's better on the point than Mark Giordano on your power play at this point. Okay, my it's own. a very rare occurrence that I say that Hannafin is better than Geo than something, but that would be one place. My only pushback to that is I think Hannafin is seeing success on the second unit because you have two defensemen there. I'm a little concerned with how offensive-minded that first power play unit is to have him on there because he might... Do something dumb. He might do something dumb, and the way that these guys set up, when Geo has the puck, like there's nothing separating... Anybody pressuring Geo from a breakaway other than Geo? And I don't know if I really trust Hannafin to be that accountable on the blue line. But he has been, he has looked good on the blue line, so I wouldn't mind giving it a shot. I but. just don't get how, like, two years in a row we can consistently have this, especially when Jeff Ward ran it last year. He's obviously having some input into it this year. How can it be this? And again, it's, it's like 14th in the league or something. But I think that's skewed by, like, we had that one game in Dallas. Like, why can't... Remember the game in Dallas? Yeah. Three for five? It was unbelievable. They're moving the puck like I've never seen before. And they scored three goals. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard to just do that. Like, why can't they change up the setup? Why can't they move the puck a little more? I don't understand. Like, you've got Kudrow and Lindholm both on their natural sides, which I don't think is helpful for either of them. It just keeps the puck to the outside. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer... We've seen Kachuk well, score from that flank a couple times this year where Lindholm is. And the weird, there. the weird thing is, when we have seen adjustments, like flipping Johnny... It, it worked! It worked! It works great! And now it's back to this. You've seen two adjustments this year where they switch Lindholm and Kudrow... I remember Johnny well Chucky, and then they sometimes have Chuck go where Lindholm is on the right wing boards. That's worked. Lindholm down low works. Like, I, and then like they're totally underutilizing Monahan. I just don't understand their setup. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. Everybody is not like it's literally like they they set it up like they're playing five on five is what they do. You have a guy in the high slot. You got a guy in front of the net. and You got two wingers on the boards and then defenseman at the point. 
I, I just don't see how they're not, and I don't see how, and they're not. They're not creating nearly enough scoring chances from, and even if you look at where they were scoring from last year, like a lot of it was that cross seam pass to Lindholm from Gaudreau. Like from the top of the right circle, they were getting tons of chances there last year. Like nothing this year. You know what I would do? I like the way you're thinking, but I put Rass on the top unit. Yeah, I don't mind and then that. Then you have Geo and Hannafin on the second unit. Yeah, and I don't you know mind what that. I, you know what I might even consider doing? Mm. Like, like you said, Monahan's pretty ineffective. Like maybe he becomes a trigger man on PP two. Yeah. And where the hell's like put Dubé on the power play? Okay. Well, power put play. Put on the power play. At least power play one has got some goals this season. That power play two is goddamn atrocious. You're telling me that the best you can come up with is Backlund, Lucic, Ryan, Hannafin, and Anderson? You've got Manji, Penny, and Dubé just sitting on your bench. Name one guy maybe outside of Anderson has any finish. Like, Do any of those guys have any finish? Well, and are any of those guys, have they ever had any success on the power play ever? No. Like, why is Derek Ryan, why is the guy who was your fourth-line center last year, why is he on your power play? Like, Dubé needs to start getting some power play And time. not even is he on your power play. He is pretty much the rover on that power play. He's running that power play. Why? Yeah. I wonder if they'll put Bennett back there now that he's back. Well, I don't even like Bennett there. No, me either. Bottom. Like, Manji, Penny, and Dubé. There's much better on there. Like, Manji, Penny, Dubé, Rasmus, Anderson, Hannafin. Yeah. Like, and then I, and I, I, don't, I, don't even love the, I don't even love putting two defensemen out there. But I'd rather have Anderson and Hannafin out there than, say, Ryan and... I don't know. It's just that I don't get that power play too. It's so ineffective. It's got to be the worst second unit in the league, you know? Like if we were playing a better team last night, because Chicago got, met, like, they got momentum from that, from killing off both five oh, on three. Totally they did. If Talbot wasn't great, and or we were playing yeah. a better team last night, like I, like I think your power play loses you the game. Oh, 100%. Well, again, like I said, that was a pretty low event a game last night. Like the Flames. Didn't have a lot of scoring chances. The Blackhawks had a few more, like not really, but it was pretty meh. So all right. So what did impress me? What impressed you? you I mean, Chicago. They scored a late goal in the in this in the first, but we responded with a very quick goal. Seconds in. I like that. I like that a lot. I, like, I mean, you have to like both goals were results of great forechecking. Plays yep. turnover cre- created turnovers by Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, which that's how he needs to play. And that second goal, my God, oh. that was a great goal. You're like you want to talk about sexy? And again, we said it before, but Talbot made like three great saves on Patrick Kane in the second period while it was still one-one before that goal happened. Yeah, as mu- as great as Chucky Lindholm played last night, the difference maker for me is Talbot. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. I mean, he looks right now. He's playing like Ridge. Riddick has played up until he started to falter, which is like, fuck, he's just solid. Yeah. He was like, totally he's keeping solid. the game in the team. He'll give you a chance to win. Yeah. Like, right now, he's the guy. And I don't even think it's because Riddick isn't the guy. I think Riddick just Riddick needs, needs a goddamn, goddamn break. He's a break. That's why you brought Talbot in, I thought, because he was the legitimate 1B guy who could take 40 games or 30 games. Like, at this pace, Riddick is on pace to play well over 60 games. Like, Riddick. If I'm the coach, I'm playing Talbot tomorrow night for sure. Me too. And, and you've got to play him against Edmonton. And as long as Talbot still looks good, I'm playing him against Edmonton. Me too. I play, like, if you're, like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you go Reddick tomorrow night. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either, but because maybe you do, but you absolutely give Talbot Edmonton, right? I think, regardless. Yeah. 
The only way I would say you might not give Talbot Edmonton is if you if put Talbot in tomorrow goals. and he looks kind of shaky. Yeah. So I think the smartest thing you could do is put Talbot in tomorrow. See how he does. If he does, then it's really like it's not that it's a no lose situation, but it seems to be the best way to let things play out. Because if you give Riddick tomorrow, what if he struggles? Well, I think he will. I think he will too. Like he he needs he needs more rest. Yeah, totally. Then you're in like oh shit now we have to play Talbot against the Oilers. It'd be nicer to put Talbot in tomorrow if he plays well. Then it's like oh we can put either or. Yep. If he doesn't play well, then it's like okay Riddick's getting the start Saturday night against the Oilers. It's an easier choice to make. So and even if you put Edmonton aside, yeah. Look at the game he just played. Exactly. You got to go right back to him. And well, I was gonna say Jeff Ward, but I guess Bill Peters did that earlier this year. Yeah. With the Anaheim and uh, Washington game. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think you got to go back to Talbot, and I think you got to give him, you got to you got to start getting him to like at least, well, from here on out, not every other game, but close to it. Yeah, because like he still needs to play a buttload of games in order to like how many games ideally do you want to see the split? Well, I think what you're starting to see is more of a. It kind of started out as like a sixty forty, but it's kind of getting even closer to not fifty fifty, but like. 55, 45-ish kind of. Okay. So I'd say like if he plays if he plays half of the remainder remaining games of the season, that's kind of what I'd like to see. Half of the remaining games of the season. So how many games would you like to see Riddick maxed out out at 50 games? I think 55, 50. Probably 50, right? Maybe like, yeah, between 55 and 50. Like 55 might even be pushing it a bit. I'd say like fifty-two, because if you give even if you give him fifty out of eighty-two, that's sixty sixty percent of the starts, right? Yeah, I that's, think that's good. That's that's good, but even a little high by some of the standards today. Like even you see like I don't know, I haven't looked at how, how much Halak has played this year, but how many games has Riddick played over half the he's season? He's played like definitely thirty plus games, right? Hasn't yep. he? So he's been playing a ton. So he's played thirty-three games. That's a lot. Yeah. So if if you're gonna say in half the season. And you want 33. If he's on pace for 66 games. If he's played 33 games. already and we want him to play 50 games, he's like he's almost there already. Yeah. Like I'd say 55. Now Max. that now that he's already played much more than you probably wanted him to. Yeah. 55 is maybe, maybe a more ideal target. Yeah. But even still, you still need to start playing Talbot way more. Yeah, I know. Like, like even... Not even to reward the better goaltender just to... Take care of Riddick exactly. for the rest of the season. Oh, totally. He's played like, and I really think that's why he's starting to falter. Oh, no, me too. Because we so we've seen this happen before, to a lesser extent. But the year Mike Smith got hurt and he came in and had to take the role, he was great for a while, and then slowly started to taper off as the as he had to play more and more starts. So yeah, he needs to. And plus, the team was dog shit in front of him. Wasn't yeah, that was seventeen eighteen. I don't want to see more seventeen eighteen parallels. Please, God, no. Please God, please so, God. So let's get some let's get some Cam Talbot, especially while he's going. Get him in. He's been he's been good, man. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just you don't want to. You have to play this correctly if you're gonna get the most of David Riddick this season. Now enjoy the blooper reel, everybody. Hey everybody, welcome to the In The Dome podcast. podcast. Podcast, podcast, I'm doing the intros now because Jordan can't speak. I've tried a few times and it just didn't come up. Hey everybody, welcome to In The Dome podcast. In The Dome, In The Dome, In The Dome. 
It's in the dome. Somebody <laughs> needs to go to speech therapy when he's in grade one. Hooked on phonics.